Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi friends and welcome back to the Psyche Podcast and we have got a slightly different, um, actually every episode is slightly different, but a slightly different feel today because we're getting all into empaths, empathic people, uh, sensitive people, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so we are joined by Jennifer who really explains her um, her way of viewing this as a kind of spectrum between kind of empathy that we uh, that we can all kind of know and recognize that seeing things from other people's perspective and kind of um, trying to appreciate what they're going through. Uh, to being empathic and then being an empath so really highly sensitive uh, type of people so uh, really really interesting for anyone who would kind of self-identify as sensitive or empathic Um, so I really hope that you enjoy this episode and just a little notes about language and language is something that we've um, we've kind of touched on a few times before and whenever someone comes on and they talk about a particular concept I like to just check in with what we are understanding by that term because we can all have our own different interpretations of what words mean and that can really be a hindrance to communication if we're not on the same page <laughs> with what something means but you'll hear kind of towards the end that Jennifer kind of checks herself with um, some terms that she's been using and we have a kind of bit of discussion about it and we've we've left in because I think it's, it's a really important activity of thinking about your own language that you use and the meanings that that language might have and and it might be interpreted in different ways by different people so for example uh the well the example in this is using the terms crazy and mad and that that can have they can be really loaded words can't they because of the ways they have been used about people with with mental illness another one that has uh, come up previously on the podcast is this idea of committing suicide that that people have used and for some conversations, I've I've kind of left it because that's someone's language they're using, whether it's from their kind of cultural understanding of it. Because uh, I think that's a whole different thing, isn't it, to get into a conversation about checking other people's language and challenging them on it or trying to understand the, the way that they are using language. But I think it's, um, we kind of left it in because I think it is a really important activity for yourself to sort of think about what you're saying and the language you're using and the messages giving and how you are using those words um and sometimes it can be really easy to fall into just just using these words and I try not to use crazy mad in, in saying those kind of ones on um you know day-to-day basis the way that they are often used because of the kind of loaded meaning that they can have but anyway I just wanted to kind of put this in here that it's something that kind of comes up and I guess as a moment to sort of pause and reflect for yourself about the language that you use and the the message that it might be conveying, maybe not on purpose. It could just be that that's what someone reads into it or that's what someone takes from it. Um, and there's lots and lots of other words um, that, that can have similar around them. But I don't want to say that. Um, but yes, this was um, a really, really fun conversation about being empathic and uh, empathy and all those kind of things and to be honest I don't really know where I am on the spectrum I haven't checked out the quiz that that Jennifer mentioned yet maybe I will do that after this Um, and yeah I'd encourage you maybe to if you're curious to have a go at that as well but I'm gonna stop talking now and let us dive into this conversation. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Jen to the podcast. So Jen, welcome and if you could introduce yourself to us please. Hi there Hannah, it is so good to be here and my name is Jen or Jennifer Moore and I'm a mentor and a healer for highly sensitive empathic women and I'm also the author of Empathic Mastery and I can share the uh, the what do you, the tagline from the book or the yeah absolutely yeah which is a five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success and the hot mess was <laughs> totally me yeah um well I mean that sounds like a great place to start if you're comfortable to share a little bit of your story of 
you know how <laughs> being a hot mess and and how you got to kind of where you are today um sharing what you've learned with other people I, I would be delighted to yeah I mean obviously you don't put the word hot mess on the front of, on the cover <laughs> of your book if you're not willing to talk about it and you know I as a very small child, I was what somebody would consider probably high strung, really anxious, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the little boys in Batman masks terrified me. And I was just constantly in a state of feeling worried and scared and sad and confused and not really knowing what was going on. And I was being told all the time as a really little kid, you're too sensitive, you're overreacting, you're making things up, you're taking it too seriously, don't let them bother you. And then, of course, because I'm female, when the little boys were being obnoxious, it's like, oh, he just likes you. But that's a whole other story. (laughs) And as I got older, I started, I just really wanted to find some way to manage all of this distress. And it did not occur to me until I was really a lot older and I was working with a really amazing therapist that probably a good 70 to 80% of what was going on for me wasn't even mine. But at that Mm -hmm. point in time, I had found all kinds of external coping tools like binging on sugar and finding every single serial boyfriend I could possibly find and sort of hiding in the safety of romance, as well as just doing all kinds of sort of extreme levels of busy, 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 busy crash, or, you know, bin and binge purge and sometimes drinking, although that wasn't necessarily my drug of choice, as well as a lot of smoking, and just basically making choices that were not not conscious, but really being driven by my need to not feel so uncomfortable. How's that for an answer? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you've kind of summarized that idea of this sort of uh, numbing that we do or this kind of self-medicating that we do. Um, and like you said, uh, when yeah, the drug of choice that for some people it does look like alcohol and, um, you know, kind of um, illegal substances, but it could be sugar, it could be all kinds of things that we are using. It could just be watching TV, but using it to numb that uncomfortable feeling or quite often that painful feeling or right, kind of trauma. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And to sort of create like an insulation between us and between the rest of the world. And, you know, I think the thing is we live in a world that for one thing has a tendency to deny our interconnectivity to each other. And so a lot of times if we're feeling a lot of intense emotions so much of the, so much of it is attributed to ourselves. But as I was saying before, you know, when I started to realize that so much of the distress that I was feeling wasn't necessarily even coming from me, but was what I was picking up from the world around me, I was, it, it was a game changer. And it was, it's, I won't say that like overnight everything was better, but that's when I really started to be able to recognize what's mine, what's not mine, and not necessarily feel so overwhelmed. And I'll just sort of say how this applies to right now is that as our world is both literally and sort of symbolically heating up, and more and more things are coming up to the surface that have been going on for, in some cases, thousands of years, what's happening is more and more people are getting to a point where they can't numb out or drown out or ignore the pain and the emotional intensity and the energy of the world around them. And so I think what's happening now is that more and more of us are sort of waking up to our empathic nature as living beings on this planet. Mm. Yeah, and I know you've led nicely into my next question, because I was going to say that I think this is something that probably 
everyone is feeling to a certain extent, but there are some people who maybe are more sensitive or more empathic. And I know that's something that you talk about. So there's a couple of questions. So I don't know how you feel about me just throwing them all at you. <laughs> you Actually, sort of throw them out. I get, if you if you throw them all out at once, I'll probably get stuck in the first okay. one and forget the others. So let's go to <laughs> one question at a yeah. time. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I get a bit excited and carried away. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I know. So I guess, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's because you said about um, you know being empathic. Let's start there. So when you talk about empathy, what does it what does it mean to you? What are you using that term to refer to? So I see. I actually see. Um, you know, empathy, empathic, and empath on a spectrum. And mm-hmm. I would say that you have on one side of this spectrum, you don't even have empathy. You have like sociopath who has absolutely no capacity to understand or care or have any concern for anybody else. And those who sh- who are doing it right now shall remain nameless, but you can imagine that there are people <laughs> we know on this planet who don't really give a flying F about anybody else. Um, but that said, you've, so you've got the sociopaths who are just like completely disconnected and everything is about them 24 seven, always about their own gain. And then you have the people who are, what started to become a term, a sort of coined as a science fiction term back in like the 60s, which is an empath. And that is somebody who is so sensitive to picking up the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations, all the stuff that is going on in the world around us. They are so sensitive to it that they feel they're like this emotional, psychic, mental sponge that cannot distinguish between what's mine and what is somebody else's. And in some cases, people get it so extremely that even time becomes, I believe, as doc, you know, the Doctor Who world would say, tiny wimey. And that it is that so that they can be sensing things from the past, they can be sensing things from the future. Now, empathy, my sense of empathy is the capacity not just to have sympathy for somebody like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But empathy is the ability to imagine what that other person would be experiencing, to put mm-hmm. ourselves in that other person's shoe. Being empathic gets to the place where we actually start feeling what that other person is feeling, that we start as as if it is our own emotion. So empathy is the imagined capacity to understand what's going on for somebody else, but not necessarily to internalize it to the point where you're feeling it. Empathic is the point where we start feeling what another person is feeling. But in many ways, often being able to still distinguish what's mine, what's not mine. Hmm. Empath gets to that place where we're so sensitive that we're taped that not only are we feeling it, but a lot of times we actually think it's our own because we experience hmm. it as if it is our own. Hmm. I think especially at the moment, there's lots of people who are saying they're empaths and they're finding yes. it very draining, but maybe it's more that they are empath and empathic. (laughs) It's an absolute spectrum. You know, Mm -hmm. it's an absolute spectrum. And one of the things that I've noticed in the quizzes that are out there, because there's, are you an empath? Is (laughs) that a lot of the characteristics that people talk about as being an empath, I actually think is just characteristics of being an awakening human being. And the fact that we are not separate individuals, we are connected to each other. We're all, I believe we are all cells on the body of this planet and that we're and as cells like any other body we're all interconnected and so you know for a lot of people it's draining to be in a crowded space for a lot of people if you see somebody else in pain it hurts and we feel it which is one of the reasons why right now it is so challenging for people because we're seeing so much pain Mm-hmm. And and what I would say is for the people who are extreme empaths, um, and I have sort of a, a test that you can go do it over at empathicwoman.com, mm-hmm. where you can sort of range where do you fall on the spectrum. But, um, 
you know, from my perspective, that extreme end of it, where we're what I call an extreme empath, that's when it just really becomes so completely overwhelming. And usually there's sort of a, you know, some people might say a, a crossover between that and being psychic. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And, and so then my, my next question was mm-hmm. how or if it is different from just being sensitive, kind of how how they're linked, how they're different. I mean, in some ways, I think that they're sort of like potato, potato. And mm-hmm. what I've noticed is that when it comes to the word sensitive, it is a much broader term. So you could have somebody who is a sensitive person who's allergic to tomatoes. You could have somebody who's a sensitive person who has, say, for example, um, what would be you know called sensory processing disorder, mm-hmm. or just somebody who's highly sensitive where it's just sort of like anything that touches your skin is uncomfortable. You know, as as a toddler, all the tags had to be pulled out of the back of the neck of their shirt. Um, and maybe loud noises. And this is something that a lot of highly sensitive empathic people struggle with is being sensitive to food, to sounds, to electromagnetic frequencies, to all of the things that are going on in the world around us. But sometimes somebody could be called sensitive and they're just sensitive to sort of the external world, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily sensitive to that sort of more inner, internal, mental, emotional, psychic kind of interchange between human beings. Mm, yeah, fantastic. So yeah, so yeah. The, the empathy is that, like you said, the internal being able to, I guess, kind of tune in to what is happening within someone, whereas sensitive is a broader kind of external stimulus that might be too much sensitive can be either you know it's like some people would refer to a sensitive as somebody who's affected by external circumstances some people would refer i mean um that was one of you know intuitive sensitive psychic medium you know um empath are all words that people kind of use interchangeably. Um, You know, I've certainly heard people refer to um, somebody with psychic abilities as a sensitive, you know, sort Mm -hmm. of with almost like a capital S. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's no, you know, there's no like DSM-5 definition of these things. Mm -hmm. So people in our contemporary culture use them to suit their own purposes as well. Yeah, I was going to say, and I think that's why it's it's useful when we're talking about terms like this on the podcast to sort of, you know, touch base and see what what they mean, you know, to us. Because when you say em- empathic or when you say sensitive, we'll all have something that comes up for us. And it's, so it's useful to sort of go, for, you know, what's the kind of definition we're working from at the moment, that kind of. Absolutely. Well, and I think that this is just such an important piece of of the idea of recognizing communication that, you know, us taking the time to clarify that we're on the same page and that we both understand that we're talking about the same thing. And actually, this is one of the challenges that can sometimes come up for people who are highly sensitive is making the assumption that because we are so sensitive and we can pick up on what's going on with other people, that we know exactly what's going Mm -hmm. on. And that's where that fusion or that interface between what's mine, what's not mine is so incredibly important because sometimes we can sense the emotion, but then we add our own personal narrative to the story that affects how we interpret it. And so it can be even as a highly sensitive empathic person learning how to communicate and clarify and make sure that we are on the same page and using the same definitions or understand what the other person means is an incredibly important thing. Mm. There's something I, I'd love to hear your, your thought on this because I definitely call myself a sensitive person and I would say I'm mm-hmm. empath, um, not an empath, but um, empathic. Well, I can't say that empathic, word today. Yeah. I can't say that word today for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. But something that I do sometimes, not just with feelings, but I'll have an an idea or something or I'll have interacted with someone and I get kind of carried away and then I'll just you know stop myself and like this isn't my idea this isn't my love this isn't my thing but I'm getting like swept up in something but that idea has come from somewhere else and then I've gone like yeah and then I have to <laughs> take a step back and go no this isn't for me not for me <laughs> thank you thank you yeah um actually this is this is have you ever read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert no 
Oh my God. So this is one of my all-time favorite books for anybody who has any, even the tiniest little creative, like pinky nail within them. This book is amazing. Um, it is a nonfiction book that she wrote, Eat, Pray, Love, and City of Girls, and um, Signature of All Things, all kinds of amazing books, um, no, sort of novels. But this one is a book about the creative process. And Elizabeth Gilbert talks about the idea of the spark of the muse that the that comes to us and how they, they're sort of almost like these magical kind of ideas that just kind of fly around. And some of us are very receptive to taking or experiencing that. And it is always our choice whether we're going to answer it or not. But I, as a sensitive, we tend to get a lot of ideas. I completely, I'm not only am I highly sensitive and I'm a writer, but I've also been a visual artist my whole life. And so I completely know what you're talking about, where you can just be standing somewhere and the idea just is like, hey, I'm going to land in you. And I think that it is so important for us to sort of be able to identify what is our true passion and our true desire, because otherwise, as highly sensitive empathic people, we can be just running around putting out fires left and right all the time. Yeah, and, and that's something that I've definitely had to learn, that being able to kind of stop before I get too carried away and yes. think, I have one I don't know whether I read something I saw something and it was like a cafe or a shop or something and I was like oh that would be amazing like this and I was like no that is not <laughs> that's not my thing but I kind of got swept up in in the idea and you know it felt like my idea but, <laughs> exactly. but it wasn't so yeah, yeah. And, and you also have just answered one of my other questions which was you know whether how you identify yourself whether you identify yourself as a sensitive as an empath where you kind of put yourself uh, well, you know, if you talk to me, um, especially like uh, 20, 20, 30 years ago, I would have been like, I am an absolute train wreck of an empath. I was, I was somebody who was so sensitive, I could not distinguish between what was mine, what was what was not mine. I could not um, I could not really recognize, I was constantly anxious and distressed. I was constantly distracted and I could walk into a space and pick up on things that had happened in the past. I was very, I still am very sensitive to things that are coming in the future. And I, and I am still, I identify as what I would call a recovering empath that I still have that level of sensitivity but I have learned to recognize the ability or the need to keep my keep my own sort of inner core separate from the rest of the world and to really be able to keep a bit of a distance. And right now, you know, with what's going on here in the United States, as of the time of this recording, we are spiking in the pandemic. It is so incredibly important to not emotionally keep diving into the trauma and the turmoil and the craziness of, you know, a pandemic and election cycle and Black Lives Matter all going on at the same time here, that it's like if, you know, for that, that being able to emotionally and physically sort of step back and hold the space, but also not dive into the misery is incredibly important. It sounds like it's it's putting that sort of boundary in place, like an emotional or spiritual type of boundary of yes. this is, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, the thing is, there are so many ways that, um, you know, the, the, five, the whole idea of the five-step system in the book is the first step is recognize what's mine, what's not mine. And that often starts by just recognizing that we're having, we're in a state of distress and then from that, being able to say, what is this? What is, is this mine? Is this not mine? Do I need to pull back? What do I, where am I giving away my power? Where am I taking things on that I don't need to be taking on? And then release is the next step, which is about letting go of other people's feelings. And I, uh, I'll just run through, but I want to circle back yeah, to perfect. release. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, you know, and then the third step is after we've released the energy that we've been taking on, then we can start to really develop effective boundaries, effect, you know, protect is the third step. And that is both strategic, emotional boundaries, energetic, sort of psychic, spiritual boundaries, and also just physical boundaries of our actual space and being mindful of how we're relating to the world. And from protect, 
the fourth step is connect, which has to do with the universe abhors a vacuum. When we focus on positive energy, when we focus on connecting to divine source, however somebody defines that, then we are creating, you know, then it's much harder for sort of the toxicity of the world to kind of encroach us. And then from that comes the fifth step, which is act, which has to do with words without works is dead. If we do not consistently and continuously behave in a new way, we will find ourselves back in being absolutely distressed with the empathic overwhelm. But I wanted to circle back to the idea of mm -hmm. release. And I wanted to say that there's there's something that I've discovered in the work I've done myself and also working with a lot of other people is that the irony or the paradox around not taking on all the suffering of the world is on doing our own personal work on releasing the trauma, releasing the triggers, releasing all the things that get us, get activated within us when we're beholding the suffering and the pain that's going on in the world. It's a lot easier to hold space for others with a great deal of compassion and love when we are not re remembering and re-experiencing and reliving our own trauma. And so one of the most important things for those of us who are highly sensitive and empathic to do is recognize what's sort of yanking our chain. Because anytime we are sort of dealing with unresolved trauma, it's not the person, you know, it's not me, adult Jen that is dealing with it. It's five-year-old Jen. And a lot mm -hmm. of times that traumatized child is going to then try to get back into the driver's seat and take control. But you do not want a five-year-old trying to drive a bus. I'm sorry. I just got the image of a five-year-old trying to drive a bus. Yeah. They're, you yeah. know, their little feet dangling on the <laughs> bench and their tiny little hands holding the wheel. And it's just like, this is not viable. They're going to drive it into a building. Yeah, well, I think also yeah. like so distractible. You'd be like, right? Oh, look, there's something like, mm -hmm, over there, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, absolutely. And 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 I wonder, um, you know, what what you think of this idea that that kind of came to me that sometimes doing that work on ourselves and dealing with our own trauma, like we were saying at the beginning, we sort of numb out. We we want to avoid. So sometimes we focus on the external and healing the world and all that because it's easier than dealing with ourselves but like you were saying the you can't really do that and hold space for it properly unless you deal with your own stuff but you know we're too busy because we're helping the world <laughs> to deal with our own well, stuff and the, you know one of the things I hate the term codependent I think it's so demeaning and I you know and and codependent you know just to clarify is a term that people tend to use for people who are um, fixers and people pleasers and who get into relationships with people who are having really hard time and then go into rescuing those people that's kind of a broad term does that fit mm -hmm. your de definition yeah yeah I yeah think so, yeah. so anyway I hate that term because the thing is, I what I've discovered is the reason why so many of us who are highly sensitive and empathic want to make things better for other people is that is the bottom line reason is that we feel better when other people feel better. That mm -hmm. if somebody else is feeling a lot of pain and feeling a lot of discomfort, if we are an empath with no protective filters and shields, if our boundaries aren't in solid place, then when those people are feeling miserable, we feel awful. And so one of the reasons why I think empaths do tend to focus on the external so frequently is that the external impacts us so strongly, we want relief from it. And so I think it's partially the, I want to avoid dealing with my own stuff. But I also mm. think the other side of it is almost like, um, it's like, it's almost like in order to be able to deal with our own stuff, the volume of everybody else's stuff has to get mm. turned down enough for us to actually even be able to see, oh, I have stuff inside of me. I've got stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, and so before we move on to my um, my set questions, I ask everyone, I wonder if you have a, a kind of final thoughts uh, around, you know, for anyone who sees themselves as, you know, being on this, you know, this empathy scale for I don't know, just general thoughts around it or what they can do to sort of help themselves. 
Well, in terms of what they can do to help themselves, I mean, if this is something that you're just coming to, I would definitely recommend just going and checking out empathicwoman.com for, um, you know, just to get a sense of like, just even reading the questions and going, oh my God, I'm not the only person. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I really want to say is one, you're not alone. Two, you, it's very likely you are not overreacting, <laughs> taking it too personally, taking it too seriously. And chances are, if you're picking up on something, you're picking up on something. And, and I will say that a lot of times, those of us who are highly sensitive and empathic are picking up on the unspoken things that are going on for other people. And especially when we're in relationships with people who sort of gaslight or invalidate, a lot of the reasons that happens is their own inability to deal with their stuff. And so I just want to say, you are not alone. There are many, many, many of us here on this planet. And hold fast, <laughs> breathe, Right now is a really, really, really hard time for being an being empathic. And, you know, just like pull back. If you can take space for yourself, it's really important that we put our oxygen mask on first mm. before we try to go help the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And and now I'd love, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the, the questions that I ask everyone that comes on. I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love answering questions yeah it's, uh, it's yeah. always great fun to see like the differences and mm -hmm. the similarities so the first one is what always brings you joy in your life flowers always bring okay. me joy and um i've been working with flowers in the form of flower essences since i was in my late 20s and there is something so just purifying and uplifting and heartful for me about just wandering around in the garden or wandering around in the local sort of green spaces and just having these encounters with flowers. So flowers always bring me joy. Amazing. And then my next question is what makes life meaningful for you? Sharing love you know, I know that sounds really probably trite, but <laughs> being able to really make connections to pe with people and to see their hearts and souls and particularly being able to help somebody else. I mean, the reason I do the work I do and the reason I wrote the book that I wrote is that I really wanted other people. I didn't want other empathic people to have to struggle the way that I did for so many years that, you know, this book was a, a love is my love letter to both my terrified, like 19, 20 year old self, as well as a love letter to all of the other people who are struggling with taking on all of the woes of the world. Hmm. So, you know, being able to just, if I can keep or help one, one person to not struggle the way I did, I will feel fulfilled. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. And I think that's, I definitely uh, echo that sentiment. And I kind of think with a podcast and you see people on podcasting and they get very obsessed about numbers. And I just think, well, even if just one person tunes in exactly. and it makes a difference, then, then it's all worth it. Well, and I think we are so stuck in hype right now. You know, it's like everything is about likes and numbers and metrics and being an influencer. And it's like, it is not, when we're dead, it's not going to matter. But making a difference in somebody's life, helping somebody to keep passing the open windows, you know, that's what matters. I, you know, I dedicated the book to two women and one woman is a woman that I still know to this day who was struggling mightily with her sensitivity and, you know, decided instead of jumping off a bridge to go make, to go make a phone call. And the other woman is a woman that used to be that, that I knew and I had been a client at one point who just couldn't take it anymore. And she decided to step off mm. and, you know, like if, if, if we just, if there's one person who listens to your podcast and decides, oh, maybe I don't have to leave this planet, you know, yeah. who, who, who gives a flying F about the metrics and how many likes you've got on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess that, that kind of, uh, in a way, ties to, to the next question. 
which is that the sort of overarching aim of the podcast or the kind of topic is all around mental wellness and kind of mental well-being. Um, and so we, we talked about kind of language and, and perceptions of words. And so I always ask people, what does mental wellness mean to you? <sighs> mental wellness to me means for one thing, resiliency. Because, you know, the idea of everything in your life is going to go well and um, we're going to be happy 24-7, that's not mental wellness, that's delusional. I believe that well, mental wellness is the ability to not get bowled over by the world, but to be able to take things in stride, to be able to process things with grace and ease, and to even when something is really, really, really hard, to be able to sort of, you know, get kind of, you know, sort of weebles. I don't know if you ever heard the Fisher Price ads for weebles. They were these little egg shaped dolls mm -hmm. from I'm dating myself. <laughs> but there was a song that went weebles wobble and they don't fall down. And I think that's the thing. It's like we can wobble. We can get really hit hard. We might even feel like we're hitting the ground, but that we have that ability to bounce back. And that to me is what mental wellness is about, is that resilience and that ability to bounce back and the ability to be curious as opposed to reactive, the ability to not take everything personally mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and the ability to, uh, to show up for our life and to keep on track and to be able to stay focused and all, and to be able to care for ourselves. Mm. So that was a mouthful, huh? Yeah, but fantastic, yeah. Uh, fantastic mouthful. Awesome. Um, and then my follow-up yeah. question uh, is how you look after your own mental well-being. So how you look after all of that for yourself? So I really, I throw everything I got at it, like everything I've got at it. And my, my well-being is divided in sort of three ways and sort of the physical, the emotional and the spiritual. And, you know, for me, the physical is about being really mindful of getting enough sleep, of um, eating foods that do not set my body off. I, like I said, I avoid sugar because sugar really makes me batshit I hope <laughs> excuse my language, um, you know, just very crazy and um, just really just, you know, just off, completely off base. And, um, you know, and I, I just realized I'm like saying the word crazy right now is such a controversial term. <laughs> you know, if you want to cut that, I'd, I'd like, I think it yeah, well, no, it's fine because I think that's one of the things. It's the yeah, uh, sorry about that language, and I yeah, sometimes we'll we'll use language, and it's and it's always a difficult one to sort of know. But I think sometimes it's just bringing attention to it. Like now, I'm kind of going actually because we slip into these terms, right, and right. I do it as well sometimes, and then kind of go, oh, I've said mad, I've said crazy, but actually, they they're such loaded words now with you know what they're being. They are. And, you know, I mean, I guess the thing I would say about this is that um, I claim it, you know, I'm not talking about I'm not using it like, oh, my God, I have a story. <laughs> um, this is a completely different rabbit hole, but just how the word crazy is kind of used as sort of like wild and crazy. Um, but but when I'm talking about being batshit crazy, I really do mean like if I eat sugar, I'm completely nuts. So um, yeah, no, I, I think if you're happy, you it's good to sort of go, oh, actually, I said that. And then and to have the discussion around it, because I think that's valuable as well to sort of go. And maybe we should be questioning yeah. sometimes yeah, the language absolutely. that we use and kind of thinking about how we mean it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably yeah. enough of an answer about what is mental wellness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And a detour into more about language and yeah, which yeah. is just yeah. Yeah, a really interesting topic all of its own. Um, oh, well, no, wait a second. No, the question wasn't about mental wellness. Oh, yeah. We had actually gone on to the next We're thing, which on. was... I take care of myself. And I was saying, so the physical, it has to do with diet, sleep, mm 
you know, really being mindful of what, what supplements are supporting me, what supplements are not supporting me, what kinds of things work, what kinds of things don't work, and really being mindful of that self-care. And then the emotional work I used, I use, I do a lot of work with using a technique called EFT, emotional freedom technique. It's also known as tapping. And that has been a, a game changer for me. And so I do a lot of personal emotional work on releasing my own stuff by tapping either alone or with somebody else. And I also work with a, t a technology called emotion code, which is a really nice harmonious combo for that. And then, um, you know, and just really, you know, it's just, again, like I said, throwing anything I can at it, flower essences really support that emotional thing too. And then the spiritual side of it for me is about really being mindful of my connection to the planet, mindful of my connection to divine source. I pray a lot. I actually um, work with a rosary, even though I am far from Catholic. What I have found is that working with beads and connecting to that sort of the earth and the divine mother is something that brings me incredible comfort. So I pray a lot. I meditate. I, I meditate actively. I focus on breath. I focus on movement. But I really do try to make a point of really linking up and connecting to something, a power that is far greater than me. Because as a highly sensitive empathic person, I'm really aware that what's going on in the world right now is way beyond my wheelhouse. Like it's above my pay grade and I need to constantly get out of the driver's seat and move to the back of the bus and just hang out with all of the other people who are going through this and drink, sip, you know, drink from our juice boxes and, you know, <laughs> like braid somebody's hair and just listen to somebody else's story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, and for coming back to the question, because otherwise yeah. you would have just gone physical and then left right. the rest of it. Right. Um, and I think having that, you know, seeing self-care and um, as not just one dimensional, that there are, mm -hmm. you know, there are multiple facets to it uh, is great. So my next question, sometimes a challenge for people uh, is, can you describe your mindset? Hmm. That is a wonderful, um, I would say that my mindset is, is, is probably a pragmatic optimist and that I really look for gratitude and I look for, um, I look for the silver linings. One of the prayers I have every single day is allow me to behold miracles as they unfold. And, you know, sort of, I would say, I, I really look at if I'm fretting, if I'm distressed, that I notice it and offer it up, that I, I sort of, you know, just sort of turn it over to divine source and say, here, you take it. I can't deal with this. And, and then, but, but it's not about denying discomfort. It's about holding the space for the discomfort and then still allowing in grace and softness and ease. So I would say my mindset is, is a, like I said, a pragmatic optimist that mm -hmm. I like to focus on gratitude. I'm also somebody who has a tendency to really shake things off pretty quickly. Like I'm like, Oh, that really sucked. And mm -hmm. next let's, let's move forward. But every so often I will sort of give myself a, a moment to just be like, wow, that was a really hard period of time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's okay to feel some feelings about it. So did that answer that question? It, it did, absolutely. And, awesome. and I guess that, you know, links back to your five steps that are kind of recognizing. So being able to kind of recognize, you know, where where you're at and when it has been difficult. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so my next question, and I love that you said about being pragmatic because we are very pragmatic on the podcast. And my next question is is around that. So I ask everyone that joins us, to share between one and three top tips of things that people can try in their life that are going to have a big impact. And obviously, we're all individuals, so they're not always going to work for everyone. But do you have a top one to three tips that people can try? I out? well, and I yeah, it, I really so the top one to three tips are the first tip is on the physical level, which is the aspect of um, sugar. And if, if you, this is the first time you're hearing this, I hate to break it to you, but if you are binging on sugar and, 
and it is making, and I'm not saying you, Hannah, I'm talking to the audience here. Yeah. But you know, that if it, it, that, that it is the problem with it is it makes us feel great in the short term, but it absolutely destroys our filters and shields in the long term. And, and part of the reason it does that is that it really compromises our gut integrity. And our gut is kind of like our, our psychic shields, filters and shields are almost like an inner tube. And it's sort of like whatever's going on inside of our intestines and our gut is directly reflected in the way that we function in the world. And, um, the, this is a whole rabbit hole that I could go down. So I would say if, if look into gut health people and uh, you can start learning a lot about what, how that connection between the gut and the brain works. But, you know, sugar is something that really compromises that, that integrity and it compromises our filters and shields sort of our sensitivity as well. So and it also is a mood altering substance. So we feel elated when we first consume it. And then we often will crash and have these sugar blues afterwards. So the physical tip I have is look at and but I would say don't just eliminate it without having something to replace it with. And fortunately, there are some pretty good alternatives like um, swir, you know, erythritol, stevia, other kinds of natural uh, monk fruit, uh, natural options so that you're not feeling deprived. So it's not like back in 1986 when I first put down sugar and the only option was bad diet soda. Um so physical, that's the first tip. But the second one is the emotional, which is doing the work to release the emotional distress. And I cannot speak highly enough for EFT, emotional freedom technique, tapping for being able to let things go and release stuff. And there's some really wonderful resources about it. And if people want to learn more from me, you can go to empathicmastery.com to learn about EFT and how to use it as a tool. It's it's more than a soundbite to explain it, but it is truly the best tool I have ever found. And then third tip, which is all about the spiritual, is if you are open to the possibility that there is a power, a force in this universe that is greater than your your tiny, puny, little human self, then now is a really good time to tune in to divine source. And I'm not talking about defining it in any way for you. I'm just saying that tuning in and especially offering the burdens that are beyond what you can carry to some, to a power greater than yourself can make such an incredible difference. And I think that what's really sad is that our culture and our civilizations have taken this incredibly intimate personal relationship with the numinous away from us and have made it into such a dogmatic thing that so many people are kind of like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I'm talking about an incredibly intimate, personal, self-defined relationship with, with just the mysterious, vast, remarkable force of love, whatever you want to call it, in this universe that is available to us when we say yes to it. Awesome. Thank you for those. And, and I love, again, that we did the, the kind of physical, emotional, spiritual. So yeah. thank you for that. And then my final question is where people can find you. I, I know you mentioned uh, places where people can find stuff, but if we could go over those again and where people can connect with you online. Absolutely. That sounds wonderful. So the hub of all of it is empathicmastery.com. And that will lead you to where you can purchase the book, as well as lead you to the other things. And as I had mentioned before, the other place, if somebody's just like, am I an empath? What am I doing here? You know, what do I what can I learn is to go over to empathicwoman.com to take the quiz. And um, when anybody purchases the book, Empathic Mastery, a five-step system to go from emotional hot mess to thriving success, that book, um, which if people go over to empathicmasterybook.com, they can grab a copy. Although if you're in the UK, um, links for that are over at empathicmastery.com. But what I was going to say is if you do grab a copy of the book and you sign up for the bonus gift, there is a really jam-packed 
training, basically, that's sort of teaching people how to really work with the tools in the book and get people started. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing this. I will absolutely link in the show notes so people can. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jen. And also, thank you for your patience before we got on. We had some real technical issues. So thank you for that. And I've loved chatting with you and, and connecting. So thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Hannah, it has been such a pleasure. It really has been a delight. And I I just, and it's so wonderful to, to see you putting work out in, or just offering a message of hope and sharing in the world. And I can just really, I can totally feel and see your heart is so completely in it. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you know podcasting is something that felt awkward about to begin with but you know like we were saying if it helps just one person but also selfishly I love it <laughs> so much yeah. and this yeah. is a message yeah. that is really important uh, to me so that kind of fuels me so uh, yeah thank you for for coming along and for yeah recognizing that and and you know for for all of the the passion and the energy you have for what you do as well thank you thank you So thanks again to Jennifer for joining us. And I love this idea she said about the spark of the muse, which I don't know what that means about me if I'm kind of picking up on it. But uh, it made me think, actually, of a Jungian idea. So Carl Jung, of this collective unconscious that we're all kind of tapped into and you'll have ideas or kind of archetypes that will come up. So, you know, in films when you have like the hero and the villain and you have the kind of wise woman and... and, um, all of these kind of concepts or sometimes there will be uh, like a few films that will pop up with the same idea or the same story at the kind of same time which could be because of other kind of workings within the film industry I don't know but this idea that, that things can kind of pop up in different places completely unconnected and this idea of synchronicities and I'm really interested in Jung anyway <laughs> but it just yeah made me think of this idea of this collective unconscious that there are maybe all this kind of stuff down there in the uh, in the unconscious and they just pop up and we get those ideas and we are sparked by them and kind of run with them and it's definitely something I can get carried away with ideas so being mindful and I think it's linking back to what we were talking about with Alison on Monday that self-awareness piece of really um, checking in with myself and seeing if it is something that is aligned with who I am and my values and what I'm about and acting in integrity and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't I've just seen something or (laughs) read something and have an idea that's maybe a great idea but just not something that fits with my personal skills and probably temperament more than (laughs) more than anything um but I just yeah I thought it was a great idea so I really hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and that you've taken something from it I guess that's my takeaway of just being mindful and checking with myself and seeing what ideas I'm running with and whether they're mine or not and just yeah seeing what's mine um but I would love to know what you've taken from this conversation so please do tag us on uh, on social media we are at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching on twitter facebook instagram to be honest mostly instagram and facebook is where we hang out the most but we'd love to know what you think about the show um what you've taken from this episode and please do if you've enjoyed it rate and review on itunes it really helps us reach more people and please do share the episode as well if you know someone who you think might enjoy what we are all about over here at psyche that's everything for today i hope you have a good rest of the week and we'll be back on monday with another fab episode take care of yourself be kind to yourself bye for now